Welcome to the Church Interpreting Podcast. I'm Lauren Alviso. And I'm Jonathan Downey. And on the show today... Lauren will be talking about the importance of receiving from God while we're interpreting. I'll be going through the different types of interpreting that a church can use and discussing which one might be best for you. Lauren and I will be putting ourselves through the four-minute interview ourselves. And as usual, we'll end with a quick tip. But first, here's Lauren. When I first started interpreting in church, I had also just started learning about interpreting professionally in college. Which means that the way that I approached interpreting was one based on what I was learning in school. It was more about getting the words right and the syntax right and making sure every word was there. And then as I kept growing in interpreting, I realized that the word of God has power, right? I realized that when you are preaching, it's not just about delivering a sermon and words, but you are receiving word from God that you need to give his congregation. So at that point, my prayer was more of like, Lord, use me as a vessel to deliver your message. Make sure that the words that I am saying and interpreting are the exact words that you want to tell to your congregation, right? And I stayed on that. And I used to think I'm completely unrelated to this message. It's all God talking and I, I'm i not there. I don't receive. I don't do. All I do is make sure that God's word is being delivered to his people. And while it's true that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to interpret, we also get to receive. Because when you think about prayer, Prayer is an act in which we are actively speaking with God, but at the same time, we're nurturing our spirit. That's also the way in which you speak in tongues, you nurture your spirit. So if your spirit can be nurtured at the same time as you pray, then obviously when you work in other gifts of the spirit, then you should also be able to receive something, right? And the way that I started to interpret and the way that I started to see interpret, I shifted because it wasn't just about delivering something it was also about receiving and experiencing the service not just because I'm interpreting do I not experience service I still get to experience service it's a different experience obviously it's not the same as me fully concentrating on listening and receiving from God I'm doing two things at once but I am still experiencing everything that God wanted for me at that time as interpreters we help to welcome the audience into fellowship. We enable this multilingualism. Through that help, we also receive something ourselves. It's it's not just a moment in which I'm like, oh yes, God is coming and he's speaking to us, but I'm completely prepared to encounter God while I'm working in that booth. I'm completely hoping for the miraculous to happen. And being sensitive to whether, you know, there needs to be a moment of silence, whether something needs to be expressed in a different way, and being sensitive to exactly how the Spirit is moving me. And I cannot be sensitive to how the Spirit is moving me if I'm not receiving from the Spirit. 
Because if I am somebody who's completely impartial and receiving nothing from outside, then nothing can penetrate, nothing can can break those walls, nothing can come in, and then I won't be able to be guided other than to what I can see. And that's the thing about faith. It's more than what I can see, right? So when I'm sensitive and open to everything that's working around me, to what the Spirit is telling me to do, then I'll be receiving His instructions, and through His instructions comes something that nurtures me and moves me forward to do other things, right? And that's where being connected in prayer and aligning yourself with God's will for the message with the pastor spirit is something that will completely shift the way in which you approach interpreting. Um, Once I step into the booth, I don't think about whether my syntax was right or my words were correct, even though that's important and I want to make sure that's right. But my main focus is is whether the message of God was delivered, whether the feeling, the whether the spirit was properly delivered. That's the part that I want to make sure is getting out there. Is is the spirit being properly delivered to the people that are listening to this, right? And there are times in which I will come into a service and I will not be feeling my best. These last two weeks are a great example of that. I haven't been feeling my best when I get to church. I've been like, I'll have to interpret and it'll be fun, I guess. But then I sit down, I have my conversation with my pastor. I go through worship. I decide that I'm going to leave everything to God. And I step into the booth thinking, God, you need to take control of this moment, right? And at that point, his word of that day speaks to me. And through what I am listening and understanding, I'm able to properly interpret and let God be the one to guide my words. So when we approach the booth, let's remember to let God take control. Because at the end of the day, that's what's going to make the message better. There are three ways that a church can provide interpreting. Which is right for your church? Well, even that statement might come as a surprise to some people because people are often only used to seeing interpreting provided in a certain way. In many churches, the only way that interpreting is ever provided is by someone standing up next to the preacher on stage. We call that on-stage consecutive or short consecutive. Short consecutive has some pros and some cons. So some of the main advantages of short consecutive are that it makes the interpreting obvious. That can be a good thing if interpreting is a core part of the church's vision. There's nothing like seeing an interpreter working to make people appreciate interpreting or to make people see the value in it. Sometimes you can get some resentment because it can feel like the sermon will go twice as long and that's one of the main disadvantages of on-stage consecutive. And so you have to weigh those two things up. The other advantage of on-stage consecutive is that a skillful preacher will be able to work in partnership with the interpreter to create something that's even better than what would have happened if there had been no interpreter there in the first place. Suddenly you have a partnership on stage. Suddenly you have, to quote from comedy, a double act. And some very skilled preachers know how to make that double act work for them and to bring meaning out of the fact that there's an interpreter on stage. 
A disadvantage of having the interpreter on the stage is precisely that to make it work, there has to be partnership. And not every preacher is used to having to share the sermon space, share the stage, and share time with another person. Now, you might have noticed that the advantages of short consecutive or on-stage consecutive are very closely related to the disadvantages, and that's true. In fact, that's true of all forms of interpreting. But one of the disadvantages of short consecutive or on-stage consecutive that people don't often think about is the fact that it's only ever suitable for one language at a time, maybe two, perhaps more, if you're talking about sign language interpreting. On-stage consecutive, especially in spoken language interpreting, is only suitable for a small number of languages. If your church needs interpreting into more languages, you're going to have to think about another form of interpreting. Another common form of interpreting found in churches is called whispered interpreting, chuchotage in French. As the name suggests, whispered interpreting involves the interpreter whispering. What will happen is the interpreter will sit near a group of five or six, not many more people who need the interpreting and just whisper into their ear. Sometimes just one person will receive the interpreting whispered into their ear. Whispered interpreting has an advantage over on stage consecutive in that the interpreter isn't on stage so the preacher can just get on with preaching as if there were no interpreter there. It has the disadvantage that the preacher is the only person who can get on as if the interpreter weren't there because everyone else, or at least anyone nearby, is going to hear the interpreter working. And that can be very disturbing for a congregation. Another disadvantage of whispered interpreting is to think of it from the point of view of the people receiving it and realising that for them, it might not feel ideal. The interpreter and the people listening might have to, to lean into a quite uncomfortable posture. They might have to listen really hard and ignore distractions. And they might also feel that they're not very valued. That they're somehow put into a corner and expected to just get unwhispered interpreting, sidelines interpreting in the church. The advantage of whispered interpreting, of course, is that theoretically at least you can have as many languages as you like. Although the more languages that you have, the more disturbing the interpreting is going to be, and the further people are going to have to go to get away from this interpreting. So whispered interpreting has advantages and disadvantages, and personally I'm not a fan of whispered interpreting in church, especially for more than a handful of people. It's disturbing by its very nature, and every time I've done whispered interpreting anywhere, whether it's at church or a meeting, Someone has leant over and asked me to be quiet. I don't think whispered interpreting is that suitable for interpreting in church, but there are situations where you might want to use it. Finally, there's simultaneous interpreting. And here I'm talking about simultaneous interpreting with some kind of equipment. So either you have an interpreting booth or a room set aside, and the interpreter can watch a video and listen to the sound of the, the preaching or, or of the service and interpret while it's going on, or the interpreter is in a completely different room, a completely different building, a completely different continent even, and receives an online video and sound feed of the service and interprets that back. The greatest advantage of this kind of technologically supported simultaneous interpreting 
is that it's incredibly flexible. You can have as many languages as you like. You can have as many interpreters as you like. It just scales it so easily. The disadvantage of this simultaneous interpreting is that it does require some sort of technology, some kind of equipment. Whether that's a room that's far away and enough wiring and cables to get there, or the receivers for people to receive the interpreting, whether it's using a mobile phone or using an infrared receiver, you're going to need some kind of extra equipment to make this work. Now, admittedly, any church which has used live streaming and where people come to church with their mobile phones can theoretically provide simultaneous interpreting, so long as they have access to interpreters. So the equipment is a necessity, and maybe more than you're used to using, but it may be equipment that you already have around. Another advantage of this kind of simultaneous interpreting is that it, for the first time it allows you to provide interpreting when you don't have interpreters in the church already. You can contact a remote interpreting company and pay for interpreting to be provided when you don't have any interpreters in your church. Which you can't do as easily with on-stage consecutive or of whispered interpreting because you're going to need to physically bring the interpreters to your church. With simultaneous interpreting, especially with remote simultaneous, that's not necessary. The disadvantage, though, is that there's going to be some kind of cost associated with it. Whether it's the cost of buying a new laptop and the cabling to set up an interpreting booth or room somewhere, or whether it's going to be associated with buying in some kind of remote simultaneous interpreting. Technologically supported simultaneous interpreting is always going to be the most expensive form of interpreting, but it's also the most flexible, the one that grows most easily with your church, and the one that, that seems to fit best with churches that have a bigger vision than just one or two languages. So there probably is no absolute right answer for your church or for any church that you know. The type of interpreting that you offer is going to depend on what you're trying to do with it. Is this interpreting for people in the church? Do you already have interpreters there or do you already have equipment? Are we talking about one language or more than one language? What budget are you prepared to set aside? And how much are you prepared to have your service disturbed by the interpreting that's being provided? Now, even with technologically supported simultaneous interpreting, you need to disturb your service a little bit to make the interpreting work, and we might talk about that on future episodes. But remember, there is no one-off right answer for every church. You have to think through carefully and choose the right interpreting provision for what you're trying to do in the church. And now it's time for Lauren and I to put ourselves through the four-minute interview. Lauren first. The funniest thing to ever happen to me while interpreting in church was the fact that I fell while interpreting. So I was up in my both. I usually interpret standing when I'm doing simultaneous. It just helps me flow better. And for some reason, things were getting heated. And I end up pulling the cable to my headset. And at the same time, my phone falls out of my hands. And when I go to pick it up, I fell to the floor. And I couldn't think of anything to say except, sorry, guys, I'm having technical issues before getting back up and plugging everything back in to start interpreting again. Um, Needless to say, the only thing people asked me about that day was whether I was okay or not. And if 
I wasn't an interpreter. I think I would just be a teacher. Honestly, I've always said that teaching would be my backup career. So I, I've always wanted to teach. It's, it'll be nice. During my interpreting training, I always heard what decollage was. And they kind of taught it to us, but I didn't learn it really well. So I do some decollage, but I don't do a lot of it. So I still have to like learn it better, train a little bit more to be able to lag behind the speaker and retain information. It gets a little difficult for me to, to do that. If I could write a book about my interpreting experience up until now, it would be called Spiritually Infused Interpreting. The Trial and Error Guide. Because it's been trial and error, guys. So Lauren, first asks that since interpreting is a ministry that's mostly in the background, you can end up feeling a bit discouraged. So question number one, how do you deal with discouragement? Honestly, this has been a bit of a war for me because at different times in my career, interpreting work has been really quiet and it's actually quiet right now. So how do I deal with discouragement? Honestly, one of the main things that I've done is gone and get uh, Christian counselling. Christian counselling has been super important for me in helping me understand how I'm processing things, how I'm seeing things, and helping me to understand the underlying thoughts that are making me discouraged, even when things are good. So a couple of ways to deal with discouragement. The first is prayer. Praying and really understanding how God sees us is so important, especially when it comes to interpreting. Another thing is to be able to think through the kinds of thoughts that we're having when we have discouragement and what stories we're telling ourselves and try to correct those stories because often they're blown out of proportion or they're stories that aren't accurate at all. And thirdly, a practice that I've adopted that I often go back to is to have what I call a happy stuff folder on my computer. Anytime someone sends me an encouraging email, anytime someone posts something nice about something that I've done online, I will take a screenshot of it and it will go in my happy stuff folder. So if you've sent me a compliment or said something nice about some interpreting that I've done or a book that I've done, it goes in that folder. If I've had a really good assignment, I might type it out and put it in that folder as well. I'll certainly try to remember it. So remembering the good is a really good way of dealing with discouragement. Lauren's second question is, what is an uplifting anecdote that you have from interpreting? I have a few, actually. And one of the things that I really enjoy doing is seeing the impact that interpreting has. So the first time I ever experienced vicarious trauma was interpreting in a church. I had done some research and the research was over and so I was doing some voluntary interpreting afterwards. And they were fundraising for a group of people whose only economic activity was selling the women and the children into prostitution. Incredibly harrowing stories, very difficult to interpret. But by the end of my interpreting shift, enough money had been raised that that would no longer have to be the case, that they could build places where people could learn, people could work, and they could have healthier economic activity for that whole group of people. And that was incredibly uplifting. And other stories like interpreting people's stories of migration at a migration consultation for a church and knowing that at the end of the, the days of the migration consultation plans were written and statements were put together so that people could get the help that they needed on the ground. So really 
trying to keep an eye out for the effects of our interpreting, watching the way that people react, that's always incredibly uplifting. It's very difficult if you do remote church interpreting, which I do sometimes, because you can't see the people reacting. They might not even be in the same room as the service is going on. But always keep an eye out for the impact that your interpreting is having, and you'll be incredibly encouraged. Before we go, here's our quick tip, and it's a quick tip called Close the Feedback Loop. We've talked earlier about how important it is for interpreters to get feedback and to understand the impact of their work. I think it's also important for those who are being interpreted to understand what makes their work easy to interpret or what makes what they're saying hard to interpret. So it's really important that churches set up a mechanism whereby the interpreters can feed back to the preachers if something was hard to interpret or if they think it wouldn't have gotten across to a certain audience where the audience can feed back to the interpreters what they got out of the service and how they thought the interpreting went, and where those speaking can feed back and can hear feedback from the audience and from the interpreters. Sometimes it's painful, sometimes it's hard to hear, but it's only by closing the feedback loop that we can actually see changes in our church for the better. That's our show for this month. For more information and help on church interpreting, go to churchinterpreting.com. Thank you for listening.